Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 165 of the podcast. It's the 27th of February, 2019, as I record this intro. This week, Sue Patterson returns to talk about unschooling and the teen years. We are both rather passionate about the topic, and our conversation ended up lasting almost two hours. Now, I like to think my questions helped to frame and inspire our conversation. I worked hard on them, rewriting and reordering them over and over. And we dug deep into a number of things that I don't know we've talked about that much on the podcast before. But because it was so long, I decided to split it into two, and it actually worked out quite well, with part one covering the transition into the teen years, and part two diving into the later teen years. So up this week is part one. As a personal update, it's been another crazy weather week around here. Not so much the snow, of which there's been lots, but the real story has been the wind, which whipped that snow into whiteout conditions and deposited it on the roads in random and sometimes huge snow drifts. It was so bad, actually, that they pulled the plows off the road Sunday night, and our county announced that all roads were closed on Monday. It's definitely been an adventure. And now that that was just cleaned up, Today, it's been snowing all day again, and Joseph just came in from shoveling the driveway. But beyond that, I've made progress on my book, I've made progress on my mini courses outline, and this podcast episode is again going out on time, 160-odd weeks in a row, so I'm calling it a win. (laughs) And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work, like this podcast and my website, through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Aparajita Kumar. And thanks to Zavi and Erica Ellis for increasing their pledges. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Sue. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Sue Patterson. Hi, Sue. Hello. (laughs) So here's the idea for this episode. I get a lot of questions around unschooling during the teen years, as I imagine you do as well, Sue. So I thought, yeah, it would be really helpful to focus a whole episode just on this topic. And I know that you have a special place in your heart for unschooling teens because that led you to conduct that teen survey a few years ago. Which you eventually that I ever so subtly put over here. Look <laughs> <I know. laughs> at one of those neon flashing arrows. You know? <laughs> it is okay. a 
really interesting book. And you know what? I'm going to link in the show notes to uh, my review um, some of the stuff okay. that I found really interesting about it. But anyway, what that meant was I thought you'd be an awesome guest to dive into this topic with. So yeah. to get us started, I think that there are typically kind of two periods during the teen years that unschooling parents can find challenging. So even if we're, you know, we've been unschooling reasonably comfortably for a few years, and the first one is that transition into the teen years. And I want to talk about that transition from both the parents and the teen's perspective, but let's start with the parent's perspective because that's the work that we have to do. So let's right. dive into some of the conventional messages that we can find bubbling up during this time and how we might shift to see them through the lens of unschooling. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people have that thing in their head about it's time to buckle down. You know, it's time to, um, okay, you've had all this fabulous childhood and now it's time to get serious. Um, and, you know, even like biblically, you know, where it's got put away your childish things. So it's like constantly reinforced in us that childhood's fun. Adulthood isn't, so let's transition. <laughs> yeah, they have to stand ready for it, right? Because yeah, it, it's okay right. to let your child play, and you can, and that makes right. sense to you. But now, when the teen years are starting, it's like, oh, you know, just a few years down the road, they're going to need to be adults, and may, now they should start, like you said, buckling down, getting serious. They should. I feel like all of a sudden we feel like they need to start producing things. And I think mm -hmm, that ties mm -hmm. into with like what their school friends are doing at school right. too, at this time. Right. They're right. doing more right. things that look, you know, impressive in the edu educational sphere. And, and that can throw us for a loop too, can't it? Because we, we right. want to start seeing more worthwhile things. We want to start seeing things that might someday turn into a job or, or just producing something that we can kind of show, something tangible that can throw us off. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think, okay, that's what unschooling is about, that we're going to have this total play thing, and then they will reach for that algebra book off the shelf. <laughs> Or they will suddenly, then they will choose to do academics that look like school academics. And, um, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> well, that's a really and, good point. And, and we're yeah. not, because we're not there yet, we, we get that, that doesn't get resolved in our head. And then we think, well, shoot, I've been unschooling for six years. I should know this by now. But unschooling for six years when they were like five to 11, that's a whole different world than, or at least in our minds, we've told ourselves that's a whole different world. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's definitely part of it because, I mean, it, it's something, especially when your eldest starts reaching the teen years, right? You've really not been in a situation where you have had to really think of unschooling through that lens of older children, right? So right. understanding the value in play, I mean, that kind of information's all over the place, you know, later readers, you know, all that kind of stuff is reasonably, I'm not going to say mm -hmm. easy, 
But, you know, there's lots of discussions around that. You can find lots of right. information. You can do that first step. Well, of and there's schooling. more people, really, because didn't you see when your kids were growing up that there's a ton of people in the support groups around age eight, when your kid's eight. By the time your kid's 14, that's a smaller number because a lot of people have kind of fallen off along the way, you know, so they're not going to be as many people writing about it and asking about it as just the, you know, the volume of people mm-hmm. that are unschooling when they're little. Yeah, so I think at this point it's, it's really important for us um, for, for people to recognize that this is a transition and that, you know, feeling uncomfortable isn't, isn't a bad thing. It's not a judgment on you as a bad, you know, unschooling parent or anything like that because yeah. this is a like maybe I did situation. something wrong. Yeah. 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 But it's definitely a time like that. That's definitely a clue. If you're feeling uncomfortable with this, that it's time to dig into unschooling further. It's like, okay, now I've got this new thing that's coming up. There's a new stage in our lives. And now I want to go dig into what unschooling can look like at this time. Right. Because understand. And I think anytime we have that feeling, you know, that like, Oh gosh, maybe I did it wrong or go, Oh gosh, maybe, maybe my kid wasn't a good candidate for unschooling or maybe all those kinds of things. Then we know that's just fear talking. That's just leftover schooly kind of stuff. It's why that de-schooling really never ends (laughs) because, you know, it just, it's always a new game. You know, it's always a new, new players with different skills and development and, and your baggage that you've brought to teen years isn't, doesn't even get revealed to you when your kid is seven. Because you know? you're busy with your kid at seven, right? right. All the unschooling things you do with a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. Yeah. And then when you get here, now it is, you know, life may not look different for them. But that's what we're talking about it from the parents' perspective right now. It looks right. different for us because we're noticing the age. We're noticing things bubbling up for us. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. we, we have expectations of a 14-year-old that I didn't really mm-hmm. realize they're coming up now. So now, right. like you said, this is the de-schooling piece, again, to start figuring out where those came from, to start looking at learning through the lens of – um, of of their interests still and realizing right. and and looking at them in action and asking other parents you know doing you know doing more research again just to understand how learning still is learning it they still learn the same way their um, their interests may or may not change. It's, it's again, I think we can just get caught back into that timeline, right? Their age-based thing, right. that they need to be doing certain things at certain ages. And to revisit why that doesn't work on an individual level. You know, we understand why school needs to keep it at that way, you know, because they need to get kids through during those certain amount of years, et cetera. Uh Um, Uh But when we're unschooling, we're choosing a much more individualized lifestyle where they're just following their interests and passions. And to look at it again and remind ourselves why that works. 
Right. Because it's not an individualized lifestyle until they get to be teens when now they must choose from three boxes or choose from two tracks or, you know, it's still an individualized life. But we also, as parents, we have a lot of pressure that comes when we're, when we have teenagers that other people are putting on us and we're putting on ourselves. You know, when you go to a family get together and, and somebody's telling you all the things that your nieces and nephews are National Honor Society or they're in this math club or they're taking this school trip or they're doing these things. And we're like, they're playing video games. (laughs) 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 They're having great conversations at midnight with me. Um, they're all the, all the things. I mean, and there's like, I, I just pick those two things because those are the things, you know, that people get scared of. They're like, well, that's not enough. And, um, and it's enough, you know, it's, it moves, it, it doesn't always stay like that. It moves around and it, it grows and it, um, you know, we, we end up, like you were saying, it's individualized. So the path is going to be different and it's not going to look like those niece and nephews. And so you've got to like, remember your, your why you've got to remember why did this, why does this matter? Why does it matter that we're not stuck on these two tracks, college track or non-college track? <laughs> and, um, you know, and I think it comes back to and, and, I was going to say spending spending that time again, like uh, often these fears can can come up when we get a little bit disconnected from our kids too, right? Which can mm-hmm. happen around this time um, because, you know, maybe you've been unschooling pretty comfortably for years, you know, and everybody gets into doing their things and, you know, off we go. And we we're not looking for the learning anymore you know what I mean because right, right, we know right. we looked at that you know right. a few years ago when we started For a couple of years we started or something yeah, yeah we were so worried about what are they learning what are they learning and then we figured that out and we saw that they were learning all the time and now as they hit the teen years all of a sudden what bubbles for us is kind of a change in those learning expectations and and revisiting that 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 self-awareness for ourselves to recognize that these fears are just old, maybe conventional assumptions or, you know, ideas that are bubbling up for us that we just haven't considered yet. And then right. and then we can get back to connecting with our child and seeing the learning that they are doing and seeing, you know, now we've got years to look back on typically too, right? And see the threads of things and see what uniquely is interesting to them and the learning that they do. And that's really a great point because a lot of times I have clients who then look back and they say, Oh, we really didn't do a lot. You know, we didn't, maybe we messed up. And in fact, when they start listing all the things that, <laughs> that really happened, there was a lot, yeah. um, but it didn't look like conventional school. So no, you can't, you know, they had gotten past feeling the need to check geography, check, reading, check, math, check, 
They got past that. But then when they start getting fearful again, that little voice in the back of their head is saying, oh, yeah, you didn't do any of the creative writing. Oh, yeah, you didn't do any of the civics. <laughs> and so I, I think then you've got to kind of re- I you can point yourself to your why. what you did. Remind yourself. Look for the positives. Look for the good things that came. Look for all the things that didn't happen because they were having this great path. And, and all the things that did happen because they were having this great path. You know, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think, too, we get our, our, our ego kind of wrapped up in it, and we think that somebody says, oh, well, you know, their kid is only doing this. And you've got to, that's that why, you've got to figure out, no, I'm doing this for a choice. Because mm-hmm. I think it's important that they follow their own path, that, that I not spoon feed them from one box to another, you know. And that looks messy, and it doesn't always look clear. And that's okay, too, because I'm really okay with it. And if you're not okay with it, then let's get okay with it, because it's, it's a good thing, you know. We yeah. say, oh, we want all these critical thinkers. We want all this individualized thought. But we don't like what that looks like to get there. Because what stateful. <laughs> because that's how you learn. You know, you try and you're like, oh, not that. <laughs> and now we adjust. And then we adjust. And then we adjust. And, um. And it doesn't really bode well for Thanksgiving dinners when you're trying to, um, you know, trot out your kid in front of somebody else's kid. And, you know, if you're doing that kind of stuff, it, it, won't, it won't look that great. <laughs> um, but that's okay because you're past that. Because, you know? I mean, yeah, because that's not your, your value. That's not why you're doing it, to right. be impressive to yeah. other people, right? And so, yeah, so from the parent's point of view, when you find this bubbling up, it really is our work to do again, to to revisit our why, to sit with the fear, to realize where that's coming from, and to um, re-energize our our reasons, really, you know, and to look to our kids and see all that that they are doing. And I know you will, you'll get back to that place, that understanding, but, but it is work to do. Don't stay Mm -hmm. stuck in the fear. Once you realize this is what's happening, move, do the work to move through it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean just stick your head in the sand and know, okay, they say it's okay. (laughs) No. Let's look at them. Let's see what parts, where's the rational part and where's the irrational part? Because that's what fear is. You know, there's like some little grain of something that's true. And And then the rest of it. Yeah, it's similar in that a lot of us go through this. That's why I say this is kind of one of the typical periods, but it's going to be different for everyone because we all have different experiences. We have different kids. We had a different upbringing. Like we have so many different expectations or constellation of expectations that it really is our individual work to go through, right? Right, right. Okay, so now let's look from our child's perspective. So what if we find that maybe they seem to be struggling some with this transition into the teen years? So let's talk about what this time might look like through their eyes and how we might support them as they move through that. 
Yeah. I think the thing to remember is that we really are doing something different. And of society, it's in the air, you know, that everybody is going in this one direction on this conveyor belt, and your kid's not. And so, you know, I, I, think, I think if I look back at the things that I did or didn't do with my kids, I think I, wished, I, I wish I had talked a little more about why we were making some of the choices we make. They didn't need to hear it when they were six, but they may need to hear it while they're teenagers because they're up against people that say, you've never used a Scantron. You don't know what that is. Or, um, you know, you're going to work in fast food restaurants the rest of your life because you don't know how to do this. People say that stuff to them all the time because our guys really are out intermingling with other people because they're following their path. They're following their interest. And so they're going to see people who are foolish thinking people, or they're going to have relatives that are, you know, going to say things like, aren't you worried about, do you kind of wish you could? And so if you've never had those conversations with them, which I'm not saying have them when they're younger, but have them when they get to this age where they kind of are a little more introspective, you can say, yeah, we we did this on purpose. (laughs) This really wasn't just because nobody wanted to get up in the morning and catch the bus. (laughs) You know, it's a little bigger than that. You know? That is such a great point. And you know what? You're right. That it's around this age that those conversations bubbled up in our family because the kids mm-hmm. were now starting to be out on their own with their friends and with right. their friends' families. And, you know, these comments were being being made and then we'd be having conversations about right. after, you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's something you might be able to try bringing up on your own, like just you know, asking a question here or there or making a comment and just see mm-hmm. what kind of reception it gets. If you're just yeah. planting a seed, right? And then right. that can come up in conversation later. You know, you each, that's why That's why there's no like one way to unschool. Everybody exactly. knows you know exactly. your child or you're getting to know your child. Yeah, right? and you know that if you start to tell them something about unschooling and they're look, suddenly looking out the window wishing you were finished, it's time <laughs> to wrap it up. <laughs> Move on. You know, something more interesting. Know that you don't, it's not like you have like this one moment that you get. Yeah. <laughs> you have their whole life. Exactly. But like you said, dropping a seed and you're dropping a seed so that when somebody does come up to them, they can say, now we have a plan. <laughs> Check with mom. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing too. That's, that's, I think is really important. Certainly at this stage for, for your child, early teen is to be really paying attention in your conversations to the comments that they make you know, to understand what might be, what thought might be underneath those so that you have an idea of what they might be concerned about 
So you can share those little tidbits. It's not like you have an unschooling, you know, 101 outline that you want to get across over the next six months. No, it's, it's the same as learning about anything that might be interesting. It's connecting it to a moment. It's connecting it to something that's happened in their lives now. Right. You know, even for kids who aren't, who aren't, um, you know, big into doing a lot of, uh, group activities or going outside a lot. Cause you always hear that, right? My kid likes yeah. to stay home and likes to, that still comes up. These things still come up, whether right. they're through like online conversations, oh, just reading, just reading. Or just watching TV. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. See that every show that you're towards a teenager happens in a school, yeah. <laughs> you know, or oh, you that's know, it's really, really hard to come across. Do what? They're great f- fodder what? for conversations, TV shows, oh, yeah. and movies, Absolutely. and everything, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and and that's yeah. what I guess I mean when I say it's kind of in the air. Because yeah, it yeah, really, yeah. It, it's just like everywhere that, you know, from from television shows to back-to-school sca- sales to – you know, just school is everywhere. And so they maybe didn't notice when they were younger. And now they're in that, you know, from a, from a um, <coughs> growth and development standpoint, they are naturally feeling a little bit like everybody else knows something I don't know. And they start to feel self-conscious. And so what do they, they, they're going to feel it about the thing that makes them kind of an outlier, Right. So whatever makes them a little different from what they see on TV, you need to kind of help them figure out some of that is your strength. <laughs> some of that is your is this thing we've deliberately tried to protect, you know, so that you could have it and you could have the time and the space to move at your own pace. And that's what those guys don't get to have. And you could, I mean, that could be the sum total of the conversation. And then another conversation comes later, you know, that, and they, but that way they know that you are doing this on purpose, you know? Yeah, that's so, a great point. And sometimes it's just a sentence here, like we were talking about those seeds, yeah. just like a comment here, a comment there. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that I find um, in general that, parents have seemed to have a little bit harder time with is is just having those conversations you know like any conversation asking their their kid talking to them about you know what's going on what's happening if there's some sort of uncomfortableness like working it out together having having those conversations and and if we're a bit fearful about our unschooling choice we can almost subconsciously pull back from unschooling related conversations with them. Right. Cause if we feel, if we feel like, Oh, I'm worried I'm going to come across like I'm trying to convince them, right. you know, that may, because maybe part of me thinks this was a wrong choice, you know, it, it's time to work through all that and to have right. the conversations. Right. Because, or else you're just kind of putting up a wall there and then everybody starts to get more and more uncomfortable. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, the yeah. other piece I wanted to mention was that 
something I noticed too um, in the early teen years as they transition into that time, you might find that they cocoon kind of for a while. They well, might I'm glad feel, you said that. Yeah. They might feel a little at loose ends, I think, because you know they can be losing interest in the things that they used to love when they Correct. were a bit younger, and they're like, you know, it doesn't catch my attention as much anymore. But they haven't quite found yet. Well, what gonna, yeah. There's that transition time there too to be you know, completely supportive and understanding of. But I've seen that pretty regularly as well. You too? Right. I do too. And, I, and you know, I think that as parents, if we can see that as just normal, you know, that if we can try to look at things from like a bigger arc, yeah, you know, as opposed to, hasn't come out of his room in days. <laughs> Which, be careful, because sometimes we get caught up in saying that kind of stuff, and in fact, they've come out of their room. <laughs> but we say, they haven't come out in days. And, you know, they went to Taekwondo, or they um, came down and, and fixed some food, and you had, maybe you didn't have a big conversation with them. Maybe, maybe you're talking about a lack of connection that's kind of happening so as the parent do something you know make mm-hmm. some food show up at the door say hey what if you want some of this make something that smells really great downstairs that usually brought mine down <laughs> um you know but and I think just kind of somehow convey to them that this is okay mm-hmm. this isn't um a bad thing to to want to be by yourself, to um, want to have your own thoughts, to stare at the ceiling for a lot of hours. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everybody isn't um, just lining up to do one activity after another, you know. And, I mean, some kids are, but it's okay to not be that kid. And I think we're, you know, I think we've talked about it before on one of the other calls about, um, we, we make it like extrovert is like the goal yeah. and introvert is bad. And, um, no, the world is full of both. We need both. And one isn't better than the other. And so I think, I think parents sometimes have to look at that because maybe they're introverted and maybe they kind of feel bad about it. Or maybe they wish they weren't. Maybe they've got, again, some of their own work to do to figure out, you know, this just personal preference. That's okay. That's part of all of this is getting to see what is your personal preference, you know, so that you don't have to wait and learn that at 28, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and the other great thing to notice, like what I love about – Um, embracing and supporting them during that time is because it's a time when they discover that things change. They're going through this transition and they don't know where it's going to end up, where they're going to go. And, and what they're going to learn when they eventually, you know, get through it, they're going to be able to look back and to see, you know, Oh yeah. There was a time when I was kind of feeling, um, at odds, kind of adrift and not quite sure what I wanted to do. And, you know, I can trust. I look how I made it through that time. Right. 
right? And maybe I was a little yes, more. Yes, those adrift feelings come up again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they will resurface in life over and over. You yeah. know, and that well, way you don't like have panic that somebody's got to fix it fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So much you do have somebody fix it fast. Isn't that become, doesn't that become a problem? Because then you never really looked at you like kind of cheated them out of it because it would have been better if they could have just learned to sit with it and then see where they wanted to go next and how to do that as opposed to and this you know this was my parenting struggle I'm like a problem solver I was always trying to fix things quicker you know so that nobody's unhappy (laughs) and that's not really the best option (laughs) you know it's really important to to let them I mean be with them don't say you're on your own yeah yeah, but but be but don't like fix it for them let them let them try and tell them it'll be okay and it'll be okay to make a mistake it'll be okay to choose terribly and you will always be standing right there with them. Yeah. And you'll always help figure it out if they want a little input. You know? That, that, that's the thing. It's, it's not solving it for them and telling them, oh, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. Come on, get, get out and do this. Or come on, pick something right. to do. Or, you know, another, but it's the being with them and having the conversations when they want to sitting quietly beside them as they, you know, maybe play the same old game or watch the same old comfort TV show because they're not quite sure what else to do right now. But this gives them that sense of comfort for a while, that cocooning sense for a while. You can go with the the butterfly metaphor, but no expectation on timelines. (laughs) But yeah, if they want to have those conversations, if they say, you know, what do you think? And you suggest 10 things and none of them is interesting to them. It's like, don't take that personally. Don't get upset about that. It's like, you know what? Maybe we'll just, you know, do this. I spend lots of time just sitting quietly, you know, with them, just listening, listening to what they want to say. Right. That time is so valuable you're there to help them bounce things around. You're helping them process their thoughts because when they want to have conversations and being there quietly also shows them that you trust them implicitly to work through this. Right. Right. That it's not going to be forever that it's okay right now that this is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with this moment. They're good Mm -hmm. where they are right now. And and you're totally happy to be with them, right? That just gives them so much more support than, than even if you're sitting there with like that energy of, geez, I wish he was choosing to do something else. Or I wish, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you get questions, they don't seem to have a passion or, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, that's okay. You know, they're figuring themselves out all that quiet time is not blank time. You know what I mean? They're still pro. Even right. if you ask them, what are you doing? You know, they're going to say nothing. They're likely going to right. say nothing. Right. But right. their brain's not doing nothing. Even when they're right. watching the same old show, things are processing connections are mm-hmm. being made subconsciously. They're learning how, 
how long they're comfortable in this comfort zone. You know what I mean? They're learning so much about themselves. It's crazy. Even when you can't see any of it on the outside. Yeah. And I think it is harder when you have a, um, your personality is way different than your child's personality. So you, you're like, no, we need to be doing group things. We need to be getting out. And as opposed to you have a kid that really is not in the mood. Mm -hmm. That's not bad. That's their preference. And you have created a place that they can feel safe enough to say their preference. That's a good thing. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's it, it it's okay for them to choose differently. We're not creating little mini me's. You know, that's not our <laughs> that's not the goal. The goal is to let them unfold at their own pace and and to be who they're meant to be. And um, that's how they're going to find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what about um, some teens who actually are choosing to leave school? at this time and transition to unschooling. All right. So first, you know, they've been going to school for quite a few years and now they're probably kind of hitting the high school years and now they're choosing to leave school. So what might you suggest for parents who find themselves here? I think that whole last conversation we had might be really useful to think of it as a de-schooling phase for them. If that's what your child finds. So maybe they might be leaving high school and they have a, a deep interest already that high school was just kind of getting in the way of. And and now they've got the time to completely plow into that, dive in all their time dedicated to that. But they also might need a whole bunch of recovery and de-schooling time as well. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think as parents, we need to not think, how are we going to balance that? You know, they're always trying to think about, establishing some balance (laughs) and um, you know, no. (laughs) And I think balance again, it's that arc, you know, look at, look at it over the long haul for balance. Never look at balance on today or balance on this week, you know, even balance on this season, how we act in winter is different than how we act in summer. And so we have to we have to always have this bigger um, look at the whole thing, so that um, you know. And, and we're conditioned to think of it like that because balance when you're in school means seven subjects every forty five minutes. Let's go, let's go, bells ringing, let's go. <laughs> and that way you have balance because you've got a little of reading and a little of science and a little of social studies and a little. But that's not the balance that's real life. You know, I think think about what you as a parent, think about what do you, what's your real life look like? Do you do you like decide I'm gonna make this I mean just for an example, I'm gonna make this quilt. So all, all my free time is, you know, if I'm not fixing dinner or or doing some laundry, I'm working on this quilt. And <laughs> Or or whatever, or maybe it's starting to be spring, and every spare moment is getting your garden set because now's the time. So mm-hmm. I think that knowing that balance is not that big of a deal in real life, <laughs> 
And if you feel off kilter, if you feel like I don't have any time for myself or, okay, then carve it. Let's figure out what do you really need and how can you get it, you know? And so the same thing happens with kids is that they have come from this seven subjects in a day or whatever it is now. And, um, and they, they may think, I need the balance. You may say, well, how are you going to balance that? I know you love theater and you want to be doing everything, dance, voice, and acting related, but what are you going to do for science? <laughs> what are you going to do for these other topics that you think aren't going to be um, incorporated into their daily life? And some subjects may not be. You know, some people may not like gardening. That's okay. <laughs> um, and so I think that when you've got a kid that's coming home from school, resist that urge to say, okay, we got to have balance. You know, let them have joy. You know, let them dive into what they love. Have, push up on the priority list this connection time between you and them so that now's the time that you can hear them without like hurrying because they got to get to bed because the bus comes at 645 and they won't be worth anything if they're not, you know, whatever. And so now you've got your life. And, um, yeah, I think that relax, relax. It'll be okay. (laughs) I really love that idea, that idea to, to focus on the relationship because right. The relationship is the thing that you're going to have for a lifetime. Right. Right. And now you have the opportunity to give it the focus, you know, that it deserves to get to know your child, who they are versus who they had to be to fit into the school system. Right. Right. Because those could be super different things. And And a lot of those kids that are leaving at high school, they've had a miserable time. Yeah. I mean, the last few years have been torturous and torturous for the whole family because Mm -hmm. the family's been, trying to meet with the counselors and trying to make them do this. And they've been kind of deputized to be the warden of the school when they're not in a school. (laughs) And that is, you may have to do a little repair work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you need to, you might need to talk with them a lot about that was perhaps a really bad path. You know, that just, I mean, not, not that, it didn't fit for oh, them. Well. It didn't work. And I think yeah. the other piece too is is they're going to need like you're going to be as as parents if you're choosing the unschooling lifestyle even you know now that they're teens you're going to want to be learning about it, right? And you know, yeah. you you've gotten there enough to to make this choice or or even maybe your child has said I want to do this and you've learned enough to say okay, I'm good with it. Let's try. Right. 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 So keep doing that. And your child, even though they were having a bad experience, they probably have, they've absorbed lots of that, you know, school in the air that you were talking about before. Right. Right. So they're, they too, like are going to have a whole bunch of expectations that they're going to be working through. You can be working through, but yeah, you know, just to, to realize like that first year, just, 
take it off. They still need that de-schooling time. We still need that de-schooling time, no matter what time, no matter their age, when you start. Right. To just really take any of that academic Mm -hmm. type pressure, like you said, that balance pressure, and just dive into the relationship and and look for fun and joy. I think that's just a great way to put it, right? Right. And and right. find out who who you are now not the parent who has to, like you said, be kind of controlling and managing the environment so your child can manage at school and that child teen no longer needs to be the first person who's trying to fit into that environment. Now you guys right. together can discover who you really are. Right. Right. Who right. Person right. Is. So that's awesome. Oh, and I do yeah. have, Oh, go ahead. No, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I do have a podcast episode um, with Noah, who left uh, left high school to start unschooling. Mm-hmm. So I'll put that in the show notes as well, and, and people can listen. To yeah, and, and you know, in, in that homeschooled teens, because there were 75 kids, mm-hmm. kids, no, 15 to 39, <laughs> kids, um, Several of them left during high school, mm-hmm. and lots of most of them had friends who were in high school, and then that had kind of an impact on them. So that book could be really helpful, you know, when you think, okay, so I'm not going to do anything to create balance. What am I going to do? Well, you're going to read. <laughs> and one of, you know, that's a really great start because that book was all about, um, um, questions that people have about what do they do during those teen years? How does, how, what does it look like? And, you know, because nobody can say, here's how it looks. It looks like this. Um, there's 75 different ways that it looks. Yeah. And so that you, my kid is nothing like that, but kind of like that in this area and kind of like that in this area. And it just kind of loosens that grip. So that you don't feel like I gotta make them like this. <laughs> oh, that's you such can a great see, point. Yeah. yeah, and how they don't have to do the things you thought were have tos. They're not have tos. So many. That's so many of those. Right. That's a, I think that's one of the biggest things of deschooling. It was for me was discovering how much of the internal language for myself right. that I framed as have to. You have to do this. We mm-hmm. have to do that. I have to do this. Blah blah blah. Opening that up to just say, right. do you really? Is that something right. you really have to do? Uh, and if I still right. said yes, and I'd be like, oh, why? You know, it, it didn't mean that I had to not do it at all. Sometimes right. when I right. dug into it, it, I had been saying I have to do this as a shortcut. If I dug uh-huh. deep enough, there was a reason why I would still choose to do it. But right. what a different approach when I went to do the thing, when I realized I was choosing it, it wasn't one of those have-to-dos on my list. I was so much more motivated right. because I knew my why now, right? Let's go back to right. knowing your why. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> makes and you all know, so many of those have-tos have to do with because they're going to graduate at age 18. <laughs> and so the school says they have to because that's when they're – done with them and they're supposed to be checking their box of finished mm-hmm. and um, not only is that not even true <laughs> but that they have their whole life to learn anything 
and they don't, 18 is not a magic number, you know, that they have to, some kids are going to understand stuff way sooner, other kids way later, and how fabulous that they don't have to be on some kind of a, we're all doing it by 18, you know, and that that's no longer applicable. And so when you remove that, then suddenly a ton of those have-tos are gone because oh, yeah. they were all hinged on that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's the other one. You know, we have I have a free um, ebook called Unschooling Your Teens, and I have talked to a lot of people that they found that really helpful, you know, that they could just kind of have this whole way of thinking about teenagers from an unschooling perspective kind of wash over them and relax a little bit and know that it's going to be okay. And they – they're hardwired to learn. Their curiosity may be kind of tamped down a little bit because of all those years in school. And this is going to allow them time to like grow it and not, um, and not have to bury it and shelve their stuff because they got to do somebody else's stuff. You know, now they get to try different things. So yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for those people that get to come home, you I, know, because one of the coolest things about that crowd is they know what they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> they are like, yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> and as opposed to the, those kids, they're always kind of a little second guessy. They're like, I don't know what I like there. there. Would it be good? And then they go and they're like, no. <laughs> But, I mean, that's good, too, because people have to take whatever path they have to take to resolve the things that are bugging them. Um, but, but I love those kids that get to that are leaving because they get to see that their life really is their life. You know, they get to make the choices that are going to work for them and even make the choices that aren't going to work for them. And that's how they're going to learn to find the ones that will, you know. But, yeah, no, exactly. That whole piece of, I think that's another big question during de-schooling is, is that question of failure, right? We're oh so right. fearful of failure oh or things going yeah. wrong. And right. I mean, our whole language around it, right? You, you don't want to make mm-hmm. a mistake. I mean, how you literally, it's literally a black mark against you in school when you make a mistake, right? But... In reality, like in real life, when you're making a choice and it doesn't go the way you expect, you learn so much from it, right? You learn so much more about yourself, like even just about the process of having made that choice in the first place. It's like, oh, what did I miss that might have, you know, told me that that wasn't going to go the way I was hoping. Right. You know, I mean, just the entire thing. It's just more, more experience, more knowledge, more understanding of yourself, everything that that little Mm -hmm. mistake gives you for the next time you're making a choice, right? It's just all learning. It's all crazy learning. I love that. I I was just, I don't know where I was writing something about probably answering somebody's question. And that, and I was, it, it was becoming really clear that when we're so fearful about making mistakes, then we don't ever take risks. And I don't mean risks like playing on the side of the highway, but I mean risks like, um, should I try that? 
you know, we, we sometimes some kids and some adults super cautious, overly so, because they're just afraid they'll make a mistake. And they think that that's all wrapped up with all that stuff that making a mistake meant when you were in school. And in, in real life, it's not. And even I think that fear of mistakes is something, you know, when I was talking about earlier, how sometimes I th- we can be scared to have a conversation with our kid, right? Because we're fearful they may take it the wrong way or we're fearful yeah. they won't, you know, like whatever. They'll have a bad reaction to something that we say. But I, mm-hmm. I, well, for it was a defining moment for me, like a couple of years ago when I was reading that, I think it was Attachment Across the Life course, when he mentioned that, you know, 50% of our, um, the connections we try to make in a, in a relationship go awry, right? And it's mm-hmm. what is really important is the next connection. Right, your next move. <laughs> that you come back to it, right? That <laughs> right. doing or saying something wrong isn't the end of the world. It's like, oh, right. I just learned something. He didn't take that the way that I meant it. Or she doesn't right. like when I use that word. And it, we're learning more about them. We're learning right. something new. For and the about ourselves. Time. Why we're is this a big deal to me? Why, yeah, why, what, what am I trying to do? I'm just trying to get them to agree with me? Yeah. I'm trying to say them yet another way that maybe this way they'll choose what I want them to choose. <laughs> you learn so much about what our underlying oh, you learn like, about yourself, expectations man. are, right? <laughs> By what we say. <laughs> It's to hold that big mirror up and say, well, now looky there. (laughs) That's what it's like. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like you're, you're opening your, because, you know. But so much learning from that. Oh, yeah. We know each other so well that, um, you know, they can see all the, they see everything underneath the words. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. These are real connections that that we have. And it's okay for them to call us out on mom. Oh, and they will. <laughs> they will and they will continue to. And you know, and that's good. That's good and healthy. You know, I think that sometimes so and, and you know, that may be something we've got to work through. We may have this thing about respect and listening to your elders and all that kind of stuff that a lot of people grew up with. And when you get a little nervous or you get a little panicky about about things that are happening, those pop back up. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always, so like dismantling it is is important. Yeah. I always, I, I was always have always, and am always a big fan of just, I just keep asking myself why, why is that important to me? Why, you know, why do I think that? Just to dig. And in. then for me, it was often would boil down to what am I afraid of? What am I afraid is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And is that a rational fear? Is that, could it maybe go differently than this disaster story I'm telling myself? <laughs> well, and you know, and then I would get to the point where I would think, okay, what if that disaster story happened? Right. What would it look like? Right. And and then if you actually imagine yourself on the other side of it, so often it's really not as bad 
as well we're still alive you know often all that worry and it it's gonna happen how it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. so i mean whether you're running around penny penny the sky is falling (laughs) or or you decide no i'm just gonna be the calm spot i'm gonna be the place that ideas can be bounced off of i don't lose it the minute somebody thinks differently than me you know i that makes people more likely to bring things to you if you don't lose it (laughs) um yeah (laughs) yeah. it's so true you know to be able to because i think that's the other thing this fear also makes us want to solve it so fast we were talking about that mm-hmm. earlier too, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and if you're just so caught up in reacting and trying to solve things, right, uh, you're right. you're not going to be that kind well, of calm port in the storm, or or that rock, mm-hmm. or that person that you know can bounce things around. If you can instead be in the moment, you know, and and seeing what's happening and processing with people and realizing it's okay to sit here for a while. We don't need, you know, 95% of the time, we don't need an answer immediately. You know, that's not a true emergency. We can take right. the time to talk about things and process things. And, and, and mm-hmm. how did we even get here? <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> Hard Say, <laughs> I hope I your dear point. listeners don't mind just traveling down this windy road with us. Hey, y'all, come on! <laughs> hey, you know what? I think I, you know, it it leads so nicely, or I think it is a lot of the answer to the next question. So I'm just going to let people know what the next question was. <laughs> There you go. Whatever. So um, sometimes the questions that I get, and I'm sure you get, uh, involve additional challenges, right, Um, for teens, like things like anxiety or, like, or, you know, we touched on before what they might describe as laziness, which can often be Mm -hmm. that cocooning time or that de-schooling time. And what are your thoughts around approaching those kinds of situations? And I think that's a lot of what we've been talking about. They – I don't think – they per se, they don't need something different because the point with unschooling is we are getting to know each other as individuals, as the person we are, and we're trying to support them, whoever they are, whatever all the the constellation of who they are as an individual is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if anxiety is, is something that they're dealing with and struggling with, we are helping them find their way through that, right? If you know, laziness is something is that if that's a way we're labeling behavior, that is again, a fear and we're processing through that, right? You know, whatever our fears are, it's taking that time. Well, and I think that we, it's really, really important when we have those kinds of negative thoughts like laziness, Mm -hmm. um, because that is so tied to this idea of productivity Yeah, and, you know, and what we're, what we expect and what, and so we really need to look at that so that when we think, I can't have him on the couch for another day in a row, or I can't, you know, can't you? 
<laughs> really? Is that the end of the world? You know? Exactly. And uh, so we needed a couple more days than you thought. Are you, af- what are you afraid of? So like, <laughs> pull it out. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid they're going to lay on the couch for the rest of their life? I can tell you 100% that is not going to happen. <laughs> they're going to get up and leave eventually. <laughs> and, um, and how they relate to you, though, is going to be directly related to how you relate to them while they're laying on the couch. Yeah. So if you walk around saying, oh, man, you're such a lazy bum. Oh, man. I wish I could just lay around on the couch all the time. Oh, man. All, if you just like a dig every time you walk by, you just think about, are you making this relationship better or worse? <laughs> are yeah. you making your connection to them better or worse? Can you just sit on the couch, too, and say, man, this is such a great couch? <laughs> <laughs> you know, can you just connect with them? Yeah. You know, can you re- relate a story of when you just didn't feel like doing anything mm-hmm. or something happened and it bummed you out for a while or you couldn't figure out what to do next. So nice to have comfy furniture. <laughs> That's <laughs> so know? important, so- I think, to be able to connect with them where they are. Instead of trying to pull yeah. them to where you want them to be, Connect right. with them where they are. That's yeah. where you can join them. That's where you can learn more about them. And I think if you're constantly like trying to, even in the nicest language, trying oh, I know. them. That nicest language can really, really hurt you yeah. because you're clearly saying where you are is not good. Where I want you to be is the good place. Yeah. Make my choice. And and what you're doing at that point so often, I think, is having them stay longer on the couch because Absolutely. what you've made it is now when they choose to get up, it looks like and it feels to them like they'll be choosing it to make you happy. It's no right. longer their choice. You've just taken that choice out of their hands right. because you've made it about you. And turned it into a power struggle. Exactly. You've got enough power struggles. You don't need to create them. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, you created that. It's a power thing. And now if they get up, they're going to be, um, you know, giving they lost. you, you know, they lost that battle, right? So they're going to stay right. as long as they can until they can't put up with it so anymore. Stop with the battles, right? Yeah. Right. Yes, that's a huge one. Yeah, more than stop with the battles. Get okay with where they are, who yeah. they are right now, right in front of you, even if it does not look the way you thought it was going to look. It looks how it is. Yeah. Do you still love them? Of course you do. Do they need to know that? Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. So once the that stopping with the battles is the first step, but you don't stop there because then if you stop with that battle, then so often it's like, okay, then I'm going to stay away. Right. Right. I'm not going to battle them. I'm going to go in the kitchen and do my thing or I'm going to go wherever, wherever and do my own thing and leave them on their own. That's better, I guess, than battling. But there's still that next step of connecting with them, of being okay with where they are, of understanding them, supporting them, let them see your trust and love and knowing that they're okay 
who they are right now, right today, right? Because that helps them. That takes all that weight off them of worrying, you know, they're worrying, is there something wrong with me, et cetera, you know? Because my mom hates me for what I'm doing. She's never coming around. And all those things are going through their heads. And they're so busy worrying about that stuff, they don't actually get a chance to think much about why they literally feel like lying on the couch. Right. Right? Right? And that's where their answer is. But if you keep them worried about all this other stuff, it takes them so much longer to get to that actual self-awareness piece of understanding what's going on for them deep down that's that has them in that spot right now right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. that's it for now remember to come back next week for the second half of my conversation with sue about unschooling and the teen years thanks for listening i hope you found it helpful You might also enjoy the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out my book, The Unschooling Journey, A Field Guide. Inspired by Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey framework, the book is a weave of myths, contemporary stories, and tales from my own journey. It's not a how-to book. No two paths through the world of unschooling have the same twists and turns. Yet, having a general sense of where you are on your journey can bring valuable insight as you navigate the challenges that will inevitably appear. Remember, you are the hero of your story.